If you're tired of bad news, if you need some positivity, if you want to support small businesses, then welcome to Happy Grateful Blessed with Kaysville's own mayor, Tammy Tran. Here, you'll get to see the best of humanity from within Utah's hidden gem, Kaysville City. Every month, you'll discover small businesses, hear unique and incredible stories, and understand the difference you make in this wonderful city. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you'll never miss a chance to find a new business to support and learn what makes a city like this one work as well as it does. So join us as we explore Happy Grateful Blessed with Tammy Tran. Tyson, thank you for being here with me today. I'm here with Tyson Smith, owner of Reading Horizons in Kaysville. Tyson, we were talking just before we started and you were kind of just telling me a little bit about your company. You want to just pick up where we left off? You tell bet. me, okay, tell me about Reading Horizons. You know, we've been based in Davis County for th- almost 39 years. And so that. truly a Davis County, a product of Davis County. Um, we work in, when I started with the company 25 years ago, um, it was very small. There was just one full-time employee and five or six part-time employees. It was really small, but with a really great product, a, a system for teaching people to read that's simple and effective and technology-supported, teacher-led, technology-supported. And so um, we've been promoting this, what they now call the science of reading. We've been promoting it for a number of years, and research has has finally come around and just shown that it's the right way to teach kids to read. And so that's what we've, our focus has been on on promoting this basic system with technology as well for for decades. Um, But really from our perspective, uh, as a company is kind of different. Like we don't run the company. Like for example, we don't have a profit goal. Oh. And I have had no, a number of, of conversations with other business leaders and even coaches that say, hey, you just, you need a goal. And I say, actually, we have revenue goals because we see revenue as a measure of impact, right? As our impact is growing, our revenue grows, as, that means impact is growing. But we just feel that profit can just disrupt the way you see people. And when decisions are made with profit at the center instead of people at the center, um, it just, it, it, it causes all sorts of disruption and problems. And so, yeah, we don't even have a profit goal. We have impact goals. Impact goals and, and revenue goals. And what you just said about profit and people makes a lot of sense because from what I understand, your goal is to impact as many people as you possibly can. That's right. And as you grow that network, <clears throat> which has become quite huge and successful, then your, your revenue, your profits increase. I mean, it's just, it's a numbers thing. That's exactly right. Not focusing on profit. We're always profitable, but it's not a focus. And ultimately, you know, it, it, and listen, if, if we were selling, you know, window coverings or carpet, maybe my, my, my perspective would be a little different. What we're selling is literacy. And at Reading Horizons, we say that literacy is opportunity. And people need it. People, if you can't read, the odds of you becoming a contributing member of society are very limited. It's low. Mm-hmm. And so what we're peddling is not a traditional commodity. It's we're peddling opportunity for people to rise up and become a really a contributing member of society. And so we don't look at it like, you know, yeah, we have impact goals. Like our, our number this year you know, it's, it's 455,000, you know, K3 students impacted. And, uh, and so, yeah, we're, that's where we put our focus is on impact. 
it's really, it's especially dear to me because my father's father uh, left school in third grade. He lived in Afton, Wyoming. He really, he never learned to read. He read at maybe a first grade level and didn't go to school much second grade or third grade. He had to leave school. He came home and helped his mother and then supported his brothers in, through college, through missions in their life because his father had died when he was young. And so, you know, me as a little mm-hmm. kid hearing that my grandpa couldn't read was mind-blowing. But I think that that's a story for, for people, not just um, in Afton, Wyoming, which was the case for him. And so that's why it really speaks to me, the fact that you oh, want yeah. to make sure that kids at a basic level have those, those skills. You mentioned that you have a different program. How do you teach reading differently? So what happens too frequently, well, I should say, there's you know, 45 million adults in our country that can't read you know, above a fifth grade level, even as many as one in four. And are struggle. those mostly native <clears throat> people that have been raised here and yeah. born here? Yeah, not, exactly. Not immigrants you, necessarily. Yes. Okay. It, no, it's, uh, it's very common. You, you have people in your life that you know, that you associate with regularly, that really struggle with reading. You just don't know it. And so it's, it's pervasive. But no, we, uh, what makes it unique is we have a few basic rules. Um, it's really, it's, it's, the roots are, it's phonics, right? Teaching the, the sounds of letters and how letters for, come, form words. And, and the, root, the root is phonics, but taking it into what we call decoding strategies, the ability to take words and to, to break them down into their components and, and then reassemble them and read them. And so we, we've been doing that for so long. And when teachers see it, Teachers love it. Teachers who find a system like ours will say, oh my gosh, where have you been all my life? It's, it's so simple um, relative to what it could be. It, it breaks it down and makes it as simple. I could teach you our basic rules in 10 minutes. Um, but then to know that, that it's technology supported as well. So for example, an older student who's failed to learn to read, it can be so difficult to sit even with a qualified tutor and have those conversations. It can be humiliating for an older student especially if you teach me and I really don't understand it, but I don't, I don't dare to tell you I don't understand it. And so frequently our software for older students is amazing because it teaches them the rules they should have, have, re, have learned in, in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, but not in a way that they're going to feel inferior or demeaned. And so that, that's where software for older students teaching basic literacy rules, it's been wildly successful. We're in hundreds and hundreds, even thousands of prisons teaching inmates oh. to read. I hadn't even thought about just sold at Georgia Department of Corrections this week. Like we're in California and Texas and Pennsylvania. We're in lots of states statewide teaching inmates to read because the link between incarceration and illiteracy is huge. In fact, for years, this is well documented. Like California would would determine how many beds they needed to build out for their correction system based on third grade literacy rates. That's really interesting. L- look it up. It's just it's what it is. So no yeah, idea. if you can't read. The odds of you staying in school, mm-hmm. the odds of you having the confidence to go apply for a job. <clears throat> One of my early experiences. It's heartbreaking. I went to a juvenile detention facility in Skagit County, Washington in probably 2001. Um, I'd been with the company for two or three years, and I went up there because there was a man who was using our software to help teach these, these juvenile offenders to read. And he'd received some attention. Uh, Kids were going back into the school after being with him for six months or eight months. And their teachers were saying, you left and you can't, you're a different kid. And it's because they had, while they were detained, they had learned to read and, and built some confidence. So he got a call one day from a, from a legislator saying, we want to come visit your facility and see what you're doing. 
and bring some superintendents. And, and so he called me and said, I'd love to have you come up because this is, you know, you can speak to the program. So I flew up there and, and again, I had only been here for a little short time. And, and I got up and did my little 30-minute overview of things. And then two or three kids of these, I shouldn't say kids, these, these teens stood up and they addressed um, their experience uh, and, and these supers and, and suits, as my, my friend up there called them. Uh, and to hear them speak to how, how learning to read had changed their, how they felt about themselves. Right. What I started to say is, I mean, these kids who said, I, I, when I came here, I could read picture books only, and now I can read chapter books, and my cellmate knows I can read chapter books. Right? That kind of a, what you really give someone, well, that's why we say literacy is opportunity, but it's also confidence, confidence. and self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And so that impacted me. Like early in my career, I thought, everyone should have this opportunity. I mean, there's already so many things we deal with in life that are hard. Literacy, the people who struggle don't have to struggle to the degree that they do. They just haven't been given a stru- the, 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 they weren't taught in a way that worked for their brain. And that's what we've seen over the last 30 years. There's been lots of studies using MRI technology that just show that people who struggle with reading, they're using a different part of their brain to try and read. And when they're taught in a systematic way, okay, these other areas those... begin to fire. And that's really why... Again, now, it's, it's sweeping the nation. The way we teach, we've, we've been promoting it for almost 40 years. But now everyone's realized, gosh, if you're going to give every kid the best chance, they've got to learn systematically. Okay. And it, it gives that brain a chance to rewire a little bit. Well, for these older students, they've struggled for all, I mean, literally not being able to tell the difference between cat and dog on, on, on uh, the page. I, really? Right? Okay, because I'm listening to you explain the system, and my mind's going, I thought, I mean... I, I just assume most kids, most kids learn how to read by the time they're in, you know, by, by the time they're in fifth grade, they can, they can pretty much mm-hmm. read. Um, and, and those kids that struggle, I remember them. I had a boy in my, growing up in my ward, my neighborhood, my school, he couldn't read. And teachers would, we'd sit in a circle and we'd all read, you know, take turns reading and he would be mortified and the kids would tease him and it was horrible. And I remember watching him struggle and I just wonder if someone like him still struggles. Mm-hmm. Because he just sort of got pushed through the system. He could read barely, but he really couldn't read yeah. well. I don't think the comprehension, I don't think he was able to retain information, and it's been really a struggle. Most of the time, I mean, unless he has the intervention, you know, what they'll learn, they'll, learn, they'll memorize words up to like a fifth grade level. And then, and, and many of these people, I mean, dyslexia is the most common reading disability. Um, it's not always dyslexia, but it's, con- it's a spectrum disorder. So there's more severely dyslexic, dyslexic individuals and, and less severely dyslexic. Um, but yeah, most of the time, it, it, again, if they get that instruction, the earlier they get it, the more effective it will be. But even as an older student, I was at a foundation fundraiser just two weeks ago, um, a foundation that's it's, it's, uh, based in Park City. They raise money to help kids who have dyslexia go to college. And they had a speaker who was dyslexic. He's written a few books. And he spoke of his disability as, as, as not, this isn't a disability and accept it for what it is, accept me. And I was listening to him and it was inspiring. But at the same time, he was painting a picture of this is who I am and this is how it is and, and I can't get better. I went away thinking, actually, there are answers for those who have that. And he, he may never be the reader that you are or that I am, but he can be a much better reader if he'll just go through it. But a lot of them haven't ever been presented with that opportunity. Yeah, They've so never been presented, been like, mm-hmm. and which know. is why, well, yeah. And, and now, it, that, again, it's being pushed out to a lot of states. In fact, our state just passed a bill a few months ago 
to require that the science of reading be taught in our schools and in our universities. Um, we've been working for eight years now. We have a tool we developed. It takes about six hours to complete. It takes these basic rules that we teach, puts them online for anyone who wants to run it. We've been marketing it to colleges of education through a nonprofit also based here in Kaysville called RISE. Oh, okay. And RISE promotes this tool into universities to just get more exposure to the science of reading before these teachers leave college. Um, it's been picked up by over 200 universities nationwide and is part of the curriculum. And this is your program? And this, Yeah. Well, it's, it's the rules, but it doesn't have our name on it. Oh, okay. Right? It's a tool, an online tool that oh, okay. teaches these rules, okay. but in a way that a, a pre-service teacher can run through and learn some of this, of this science in college. And so we have... I think over 350 professors that have reached out to us to ask to use it in their curriculum. So interesting. Well, we've done that because we're just tired of hearing teachers say, you know, yeah. I've been teaching for 30 years and I never knew there was more to this. I never knew that reading could be expressed and explained like this. I mean, my own son's teacher, kindergarten teacher here at Kaysville Elementary 20 years ago, her name was Andrea Sheffield. She'd been teaching for 30 plus years. Amazing woman. And when my wife asked her how she taught reading, she said, oh, I've got a curriculum I've developed of my own over 30 years. It incorporates all the components of reading, including phonics. She was very confident in her, in her approach. And my wife said, excellent. This is in August before school started. And my wife went back in November for a parent-teacher conference. And she said, hey, if, if Stockton comes to school and he marks his words, because part of our system is you look for patterns in a word and then you mark it. If he marks his words, I don't want you to think he's crazy. I'm tutoring him at home with this program that, that my husband sells. And, and uh, Mark of a great teacher, Ms. Sheffield's like, so tell me about it. What is it? Right? She was willing to listen. And so my wife told her a little about it. And, and she said, you know, I have a little girl who's repeating kindergarten this year. She can't read. She can't spell. She can't even spell her name. Do you think it could help her? And my wife was like, you know, I, it's great for kids who, who need to learn to read. And and so she came the next month in December. She came to our office for a one-day training, her and her aide. And they were coming to find something for this little girl. Right? That was the purpose. And by the way, she'd already announced this was her last year teaching. She was retiring at the end of the year, 30-plus years. She came to a seven-hour training. She walked out, and she came into my office, and she said, I cannot believe I haven't known this. She went back, and she took the whole class. I don't know how she got the principal to do it. We used to, years ago, we used to, Ask the teachers to put boards up around the room because the kids would learn it and then get up and, and stand up and do it. And it's, it's become unrealistic. We can't get, I mean, it's just not wall space. But she went back and knowing she only had five months left in her career, she just went head first into this. She got the principal to, board, board, you know, to put boards up around her room. Um, she started teaching the whole class. She called me and said, my daughter's a teacher. She's got to be trained. My husband's the director of Even Start in Davis County. I want his whole staff trained. She called me in the summer and said, we just retired. We're going on a mission. I would love to purchase this and take it on my mission. And so I share that experience because it changed her perspective. Here's a woman who had her own curriculum, Mm -hmm. confident reading educator, that in seven hours of learning the science, it completely changed. We changed her entire framework in just a few hours because there's just, there's rules there that so many educators just haven't seen. And so that's, when you have to ask me, Mayor, about like my passion for this, it's those types of experiences Mm -hmm. Where I think, you know what, there's just, there's more to reading. And there's so many people who aren't getting good instruction. Gosh, it's, so. a, it's, a, that, it's incredible, actually, because I think about reading as just being so basic. You sound out words, you put them together. But I've never thought about 
teaching it. You know, I, I just, I know we, we have a one-year-old granddaughter. And so we're starting to make sounds for her and having her listen to those sounds. And we're trying to get her to repeat them and things like that. And I always just assume that is how you teach someone letters. That's how you teach them to read. But, but there's so much more to it. Well, and it's many incredible. of us just pick it up. The reason it works is because more than half of us, it's enough just to have that exposure and even you know, read with a child. And, and, that, and, and, and most of us will actually pick it up. It's that 25 to 30 percent that if they're not taught explicitly and systematically, they're going to struggle. And so the rest of us that would have learned it anyway will benefit by learning the rules because, in fact, we'll become better spellers, right? We'll actually know instead of just memorizing lists of spelling words, you'll know more about how the words are comprised. That makes sense. Right? But it, it, so it won't hurt us to have that instruction. It'll help us too. But the others, it is mandatory Incredible. that they get that instruction. And the cool thing is, again, science. So back when I first started working for this company, I'd call a school and they would just flat out say, we don't teach phonics. We don't teach the science, what we now call the science. We don't do that. And now they can't say it. They don't say it. I mean, there's been enough research that's just shown that we've got to teach our kids this way. Um, and so, yes, we've, as far as a company, I mean, we, we have tripled in size in the last three years. We're 38, almost 39-year-old company, tripled in both what, what's, what's made the difference? Um, because the last three years included the pandemic, mm -hmm. school shutdowns. What's happened is, again, the nation has, has discovered, and again, it's not just our program that teaches the science. There's other really good programs. What makes Reading Horizons unique is that we both have the right kind of instruction. We're teaching the right kind of rules. But we also have technology tools that help a teacher to teach it more effectively. Because right? even the best teacher can only reach so many kids. And so we give her technology that allows her to teach it and then reinforce with technology. It makes us very unique as far as a science of reading company with good technology that marries with the teacher. We're kind of the only ones. In fact, some of the larger districts that have picked us up, Miami-Dade is top four in the nation. And they were looking at us and a couple of their products, and they said, why would, we, why would we go with them? We'd have to buy the product here and then buy the software over there. Oh, with you, you we get both. And so we were the obvious choice. That and Los Angeles Unified School District, which is the second largest in the country, they, during the pandemic, needed software that their kids could use and, and a system for their teachers. And so they picked up Reading Horizons. That makes sense. And so they're at home anyway. And that's right. Using computers and stuff. No. So we've been on the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing companies a couple of times now in the recent years. That's Even fantastic. as a 38 year old company, um, we just won Davis County Business of the Year through the. Yes, I saw that. That was something. Congratulations that, to that. And there's, I mean, so yes, it's been fun because even though we've been around for a long time, in many ways, we're just coming into our own because of the industry, you know, education is realizing the importance of this instruction. And Tell uh, me about, so 25 years ago, you, you started with a company. Mm -hmm. What was your interest there and what did you start so, doing? When yeah, you, when you I was a business joined? major and uh, I had been running another business in college and I married into this wonderful family. I married the fourth daughter, and my father-in-law started approaching me to say, hey, would you be interested in coming to work for my company? And I said, maybe. And so, yeah, eventually I got to the point where I had to make a decision. And so, yeah, I was recruited by my father-in-law. Um, and, uh, and again, when I went to the company, I thought I'll stay here for a year or two. And just, it's a small business. I never wanted to work for a large company. I always wanted to work for something where I felt like my hand could be on the rudder. And so um, I thought I'll be here for a couple of years maybe. And, and I didn't realize how small it was until I started working there. It was very small. And what were they doing at the time? 
you know, they had found so this woman from uh, Illinois had, had written these rules I keep referring to. She had written the rules in the 70s. And as an educator, she this is just, you know, she locked herself up. Uh, well, the, the story is she was a principal and she had done all sorts of instructing through her career and, and, and different things. And a couple of first grade teachers came to her one year and said, we are tired of passing kids along who can't read. We're sick of this. What do we do? And she said, if you want to ask them if they want to come in before school, I'll work with them myself for a few months and we'll see if we can help them. Well, they did. And a few months later, these kids were reading much better. And the teachers came back and said, what are you doing? And why are you giving us more of that information, right? So she trained up her, her, her teachers in, in some of her techniques and they encouraged her to publish. And eventually she did. In the mid-70s, she published a manual. Um, she wasn't a publishing company, so it didn't get a lot of steam. Mm-hmm. But she was actually flown out here to Utah to train a group of church literacy volunteers. It's a long story. But she was flown out in the 80s. Bob Garf, the Garf Automotive Group, was a stake president in Bountiful. And he mm-hmm. started some stake literacy classes on his own. Okay. And she was flown out to train them. Again, a long story. Well, our, my father-in-law had just started this little basement software company, not knowing what he was going to do. And they met her, he and his, his co-founder, and they said, we could computerize that. And so they, they wrote some software and it was bad. I mean, it, initially it just took... pretty basic. Well, probably. it took the big five-inch floppies and audio cassette mm-hmm, tapes. because You know, you couldn't trust that they could read instructions if they couldn't read. So you had to have audio, but this is before oh. sound cards. Oh, okay. It was this really clunky system, but, but, but at the same time visionary. And so... Anyway, when CD technology came out in the early 90s, we, we jumped on it quickly because we had so much audio. And so, anyway, they kind of just thumped along for a few years and eventually started turning a little profit in the early 90s. And so when I came on, again, it was my father-in-law, and he, was a, he, was, he just loved software. Um, had one part-time programmer at the time, and he was working on a program for a, a guy who had written a grammar program. And we were working on that, and, and uh, it was very small, but... Like I told you, for me, I had some experiences that first year or two that, that just helped me to believe that we could make a huge difference. And, uh, and so, Mayor, I, I have a passion for people. And I believe that the work we do at Reading Horizons is all about people. Well, absolutely. Truly changing lives. It's what it is. It's what it is. And I feel like we have a responsibility. Like we've been given something really amazing and so we have a responsibility to take it to more people who need to learn to read. So I, I didn't realize that we're, there were so many people that really don't know how to read. And I guess what you're talking about is not people who are completely illiterate. Mm-hmm. It's people that really struggle. That's right. So, and when people slow, they're slow readers, they, they struggle. They don't tend to read very often because it's so frustrating for them. That's right. And boy, the way that people's lives can just change and you can open up that whole new world and, in, in confidence and, and capabilities is really incredible. You know, we actually did some videos. It's probably been 10 years ago. We did maybe 10 or 12 videos. They were, they were called In Your Own Backyard. And they chronicled. They were like three or four minutes long. They're probably somewhere on YouTube still. But they just chronicled people who lived in you know, your backyard or my backyard that you never would have known. I mean, I remember two or, th- or three or four of them. One was, was a professor who actually helped us to co-found our nonprofit, Rise. Her name's Ann Sharp. She works at UVU as a reading professor, lifetime dyslexic illiterate, but oh. put herself, pi- pushed through it and became a reading PhD and teaches reading. That's inspiring. But you wouldn't know that, that she had struggled with reading for her whole life. Uh, one about this, this guy, and I don't remember his name. He worked actually, I think, up here at Davis Golf Course. He was like an amateur golfer, 
Very accomplished in his story. He'd graduated college but couldn't even read his diploma. And in his he, story... He graduated from college? He did. And in his story, he said, if you could remove the element of reading from my life, oh my gosh. Because he said, every time, every morning I leave my, I leave my house and I'm just so afraid that I'm going to be exposed as someone oh. who can't read. But you wouldn't know it. I'm sure if you met him, he's a confident right. you know, athlete. That's so sad. And, and yet deals with... You know, this, this reading challenge that I promise you, you, there are people who work for the city that struggle with reading. We've been helping work with the, the uh, LDS church for a few years now that they did some surveying of some of the people who work on their campus downtown, um, maintenance and, and, and landscaping. They put out some uh, a survey or something that, like three years ago that just to surface what the needs were, and hundreds of their people responded to say, I could use help with reading. And so they've been using Reading Horizons there at the campus for a number of years now to help address some of those needs. But you wouldn't have known otherwise, right? People who... It's incredible. We, we can fake things. Oh, yeah. Especially as adults, so... That's right. That's right. Yeah. So no, it's... That's, gosh, yeah. life-changing for people. Yeah. Which is why I like to think anyone who had sat in my seat long enough, Mayor, there's, that's the reason we don't have a profit goal. Because you're... It's people. Helping people. Like, it's too important. What we're doing is too important to let profit become the motive. Well, but yet you've tripled in size in the last three years. Yeah. And you do so many great things for the community. So I wanted to talk about that. Just the way that your company gives back and supports other, other people. Yeah. No, we really do try to... I actually... There's some people at the company that are a little critical of me because if you come and ask for it, I'll just give it to you. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I look really? at it like, oh, it's true. We, we, we've given to, to dozens, if not even hundreds of I nonprofits. I won't remember that. I'm, I, well, I, I'm just kidding. You've already volunteered. Nonprofits around the world, like all over the place. I got to go visit some orphanages in India years ago that have been using Reading Horizons that we donated to them for one, for example, of children whose parents have leprosy oh. and they weren't getting educated because their parents were in these leprosy colonies. And so the kids were not getting any education. And this wonderful woman from the Northeast figured this out and started a school. And these kids would be taken to the school and they would live on, on site and be educated. We got to go visit. So they were using Reading Horizons. We got to go visit them and see how this program was being used at the school and then go out and visit their parents in the colonies with the medical crew that would go out and just, and just we actually got to cut bandages off their feet. And oh, it was crazy. That sounds incredible. But we have given, like, and that's, those opportunities have blessed me too, right? Where we've, where we've been willing to give the product to all sorts of entities. Um, so when you're in another country, is it in English? I mean, all yeah. of the, so they're learning English. So they that's have right. that opportunity. That's, that's right. So we're, they're using our product to help to learn or improve English. In fact, it's, it's tremendously effective for the same reasons, because we explain the structure of English, where frequently when English is taught, people who are learning English are told, oh, there's a lot of, just memorize these words, right? There's too many exceptions. No, you, you give them the basic rules. They can, they can, they can work with 85% of commonly used words, right? Or even 90%. So it, you're giving them structure and they love it. And so, yeah, we've been, it's been used all over the world. A lot of it has been donated, again, to nonprofits. Or then we have our own nonprofit based here in Kaysville that does tutoring. We tutor kids. Um, the staff at Reading Horizons volunteers frequently. I've taken four or five kids over the last six years myself and worked with them. Um, but then also promoting that tool that I mentioned to universities. Um, I believe that is the fix. That's getting it at the spring, right, or the well, mm -hmm. is saying we've just got to get more of our teachers this information before they leave college. And so 
um, yeah, the mission we're doing at Rise. Rise is small; it's a little nonprofit, but what we're doing there, the impact is going to be huge. Well, I am. Uh, I was raised by a Caucasian family, but my husband is an immigrant, and uh, also raised and adopted by a Caucasian family. But we sponsored his family over in 1991 from Vietnam, and as I'm listening to this, I mean, his family, they were able to go through the education system, so their grammar's strong, and they're able to speak really well. But there are so many people that don't have that benefit. So they come mm-hmm. over, and they learn English, but they don't, they can't, they can't really write very well. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they have a, a hard time reading, but they can read basic English. So, I mean, it would be so helpful. But pronunciation as well. Pronunciation's difficult. Learning. Sentence structure, grammar. That's right. Learning the foundation, learning the structure and the sounds, Focusing on the sounds improves pronunciation dramatically. Yeah. So people will use this to tell my guys to improve pronunciation and reading and okay. writing, right? Spelling. It's good to know. Yeah. So we get used. It's used. How do people? How do people find your program then if they're not going through an educational system? You know, most individuals, most of what we do, it is through schools, okay. right? School districts. We do have a version of the of the system that's used by people at home. Um, it's actually marketed and managed through the nonprofit. We kind of gave that to Rise to help fund Rise, um, and so it's there. And okay. people, if they want to go out to just Google Reading Horizons at home, you can see the at home product. Um, again, it's not it's not our focus because we're we're going after bigger fish. Absolutely, right? The bigger fish to try and make them. Might be interested. That's right. Reading Horizons at home. Okay. Um, dot com is where you can see the version for at home use. But, uh, and yes, I mean, love to, anywhere we can make an impact, right? Anywhere we have an opportunity to impact, uh, we jump all over it. doesn't matter if it's LAUSD or a little school district in rural, you know, rural Stockton, Utah, right? Like we're going to, impact is our goal. Well, it's, it's an incredible company and it's been fun. I've loved working at the city because now I'm, I'm getting more exposure to great companies. I, I did not know you guys were over there. You've been in the business park forever. You're expanding. Yeah. You're growing. It's just really neat to be able to hear about different people and what they do and, and why they're passionate about it. Yep. I mean, Caseville is so full of such incredibly talented people like yourself who are willing to give back and contribute. And, and it's nice to see you at the business meetings and, yeah. and the different things that we have within the city. We love Caseville. I've lived here now for over 20 years, and when it came time to build a new building, I said, we're taking it to Caseville. I'm so glad. And uh, I just love it. I do. I love the, the feeling. The, and I've sold it to, we have a lot of remote staff now, a lot of people we've hired out of state, and they love coming to visit the office. And, and the Barnes Park is one of the best parks in northern Utah. I just, I mean, I wanted to be by the park. I walk around that park almost every day. With, as I interview people, we, oh, walk, do you? we walk around the park. So I know Barnes Park really well. And I just love, I, I agree with you, Mayor, that this is a special place. There's a special feeling in Kaysville. Um, and, uh, and so, we, yeah, we love, to, we love to be part of it. I was going to ask you what your favorite thing about the city was, but you basically just told me. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, it, it, it does have that small town feel, even though 200 North is, is crazy you now over what busy. it was years ago. But, but it's true that it has a small town feel. And there are just such great people. Again, I'm all, I'm all about people, and I have such great associations with people in Kaysville. Having lived both over on the east side and the, and west, the west side, side. we've lived nice, on both it? sides, so we, we, we've got to meet people in two different locations, and, and uh, yeah, I just love it. Well, we're so glad that you're here, especially that you're wanting to stay here and that you're going to grow. Yeah. So we appreciate it, and appreciate talking to you. It's been so much, so much 
fun and interesting. I say fun all the time, so I was thinking, okay, I need to come up with a better word. It's been, <laughs> it's been interesting to talk to you. So thank you. You're welcome.